What up, though? What's up? It's good to have y'all in. Welcome back to another episode of We Still Ain't Got Our Shit Together podcast. I am your host, John Wayne Willis Jr. And today I am accompanied by the two that actually got me started with podcasting. I, uh, some of you may know, and some of you may not know, that I started one back in 2017 that kind of got derailed after the first one. But these two young gentlemen were, were, were with me on that podcast. And today's podcast is going to be about getting our black athletes back to HBCUs. Now, let me go ahead and introduce both of them. We have Wes Dunning, uh, professional trainer, uh, basketball trainer, and we have Brandon Broom the head coach uh, for the Walla Walla University basketball team. Now, I'm going to go ahead and start off with a question, y'all. Both of you guys played at HBCU basketball. And the question I have for you guys is, what derailed HBCUs and having black athletes or, let me better state that, the top black athletes from coming there? I'm going to go ahead and start with Wes today. Um, I probably had to say uh, the exposure and the money. Um, I remember we talked about it off air a little while mm-hmm. ago, a couple of days ago, how there was a time when like it was like 20-something uh, draft picks from HBCUs almost like per year, I think it was. Yeah. or like It was just a larger number at the time, you know, in the 70s and earlier than that. Um, and I think somewhere along the line, you know, when the TV deals kind of started switching over to the ACC, the Big East, obviously the money follows along uh, mm-hmm. with that. So it goes hand in hand. So, you know, when it comes to exposure that these athletes want to get, you know, everybody wants to play and have their folks back home be able to see them. So now they're not going to the HBCUs where maybe some of their other friends and peers could only get into. Now they can go to the Georgetowns, the UCLA's and, you know, be seen back home. And also with that, the money that comes along, the amenities, the shoe deals and stuff that are going to these bigger PWIs and, you know, more nationally exposed schools, you know, they're getting all that. So, you know, once you take the money and the exposure away, you know, the, the players, I think, started to go along with it. All right. Go ahead, bro. Jump in on it. Yeah, I feel as much of the same, man. It's definitely the funding, um, the style. Right. Um, even even um, it became commercial. It became a commercial thing to to be at some of these schools. Like, you know, for us growing up, um, especially in our area, there was the Michigans. Um, for us being on the West Coast, there was UCLA. I mean, I'm an L.A. kid. There's UCLA, there's USC. There was the running Rebels. Right. So growing up, you don't you don't hear about, you know, Grambling. You know, what I mean, I didn't I didn't know about really much about HBCUs until I moved to Texas. Then you find out about different classics. You got the Bayou Classic. You got, you know, different classes. So I found out about TSU. I found out about Prairie View, Grambling, Southern. Um, so I think it's definitely just the funding, man. Um, rap songs were talking about Georgetown Hoyas. They weren't talking about anything else, yeah. you know. So um, we just didn't get it, um, especially for our generation. I, I, I can't speak for others, but everybody born 80s, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, we only heard about the schools that were popping. You know, you know, Georgetown was rocking at the time. Like, again, running Rebels were rocking at the time. So if it fit the narrative of, like, you know, 
hip hop or whatever was going on, we kind of wanted to be there and, yeah. and be on that stage. I mean, I think you got to remember, like, remember all the movies that came out, Blue Chips. I mean, even the Six Man. I mean, yeah, you know, Blue, all these were at big schools. Blue school, Chips was my right? movie, though. Yeah, Blue Chips was crazy. You know Blue what I'm saying? He got crazy. game, but as you as you as you went through, all these were big Division One schools, even if they were made up schools. You know what I mean? It was about going to a big Division One Power Five conference school and and, and putting on the show. So. I think that was one of the major reasons for that. Yeah, shoot. Speaking of, he got game when they had all the coaches on there talking. It wasn't not, not one, one HB, not one of them recruiting Jesus Not one, coach. Not one. Not one. <laughs> they had the black one. coaches, but they was representing I mean, Arkansas, they was, they was Georgetown, uh, Temple at the yeah. time because it was Cheney. Temple, yeah, Cheney. Um, I mean, look, I put it this way. I go for I go back further than that. Like I I I, I take it back to the sixties. When civil rights movements hit, right? Because that that that's the paradigm shift. I think people don't understand that. That in the '60s there was a push for all of our top brand players come from high school. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the time was known as Lou Alcindor, right? The best player in New York City by far. Wilt Chamberlain went to Kansas. Uh, Kareem went to UCLA. Like those, there were pushes. For our players, because we wanted inclusion so much, like, to integrate, that we wanted that so much that our leaders pushed our main guys to main campuses, schools, right? White main schools. And, you know, I think with that followed the ability to realize what they brought, if that makes sense. Like, when, <laughs> when you know, when Kareem got to UCLA – and they were able to see, yo, this guy can flat out score on anybody. Right. I mean, anybody, no matter what you do, he's going to put people in the seats. That's money in our pockets, blah, 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 going forward. Now, once all that went down, we put ourselves in a situation where the next big uh, outlier I see is going to be the TV contract. Uh, Wes, Wes alluded to it a little bit, uh, talking about the uh, network. So... You know, we're talking about maybe 84, 85. The Big East, like, you know, was the first real conference to jump into the big TV game. Um, and the Big East started the Big East Network. And shortly after the Big East Network hit the Nike contracts. You see what I'm saying? So now coaches are starting to be paid by shoe companies because exposure was coming its way. But up until about, you know, the early 80s, you know, black college basketball was still lit like i think if if you're really a, a junkie and you talk about mike krzyzewski or you talk about Bayheim, you can't do that without talking about big house gains right and big house gains coached at winston-salem state university an all-black school that was a powerhouse for like 20 years like i don't think people really think about that or know about that or talk about that i mean earl the pearl monroe <laughs> Where you think he came from? So when 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 uh when when we talk about it, you know, those were some of the things that like really stick for me on outliers. One, we pushed our main talent there. So it gave that it gave that path. If you're top tier, right. <laughs> you already know the HBCU ain't for you. And so it kept pushing that in, in order. So as as our guys and as we grow up. It was like, all right, it's going to be easy. You already gave us the tools. 
And so to me, it just kept uh, flowing, flowing in that in, in that manner. And then once the TV contracts, the shoe the contracts came, you know, it was downhill from there because the money flow. You do have better amenities. Wes talked about that. Like there, there's a major difference in what you get going to a you know big school like Maryland, Duke, North Carolina uh, versus going to a Hampton or Howard or Prairie View or Texas Southern, right? I mean, right. these guys get better gear, more shoes, um, better living, expenses, stipends, all of the whatever that you're looking at. It's just more there. So, you know, and then what? Then with the exposure came the narrative that if you didn't go to these schools, you can't make it to the league. Right. And that, to me, I think really killed it. For our sports, I mean, even if we just don't talk about basketball, if we if we cover the topic of football, I think if you watch the last Super Bowl, and they did like a dedication to uh, to all the black HBCU football players that are Hall of Famers, and like even up to Jerry Rice, right, is walking out of the tunnel. Like Jerry Rice is not too far removed from us that we don't know about Jerry Rice, but it's like, yo, Jerry Rice played at Mississippi Valley State University. Exactly. What? And so, so before we continue, yeah, I just wanted to backtrack just a little bit. Um, when just because be, just because as black people we talk about inclusion, mm-hmm. but sometimes people don't remember like the narrative, right? So we did push Will, we did push Kareem to go to those schools, but it wasn't just inclusion; it was respect, right? Remember yeah. the narrative at the time was the black athlete was not only not good, good enough, but not smart enough to play the game alongside white people or or under white coaches so i just i just yeah. don't want to i didn't want okay. the podcast again without that okay because that narrative a lot of people didn't know that like yeah. a lot of people forget that this was more about respect than anything but now that we not, come to your schools and dominate too yeah but i was gonna say even with that like there's still talks about games that happen between blacks and white schools underground oh yeah i mean so i mean it, it just wouldn't respect on the main stage stage I, i'm glad that you put that in there um and you know, I thought that that was that 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 was really really interesting. Um, I want to go ahead and segue to 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 now, right, and talk a little bit about today's climate. Um, today's climate. I gotta tell y'all something. I just realized. I'm about to go ahead and do it now. We ain't gonna have the first part of this on video, but that's okay. <laughs> It's recorded now. I mean, it's all good. We'll play this part. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and start with uh, today's climate. And uh, that's going to be, you know, what what immediately jumps in my head is Dwayne Wade. Um, I don't – do both of y'all know his comments? I mean, I'll put that out there first, what he said about uh, Thon Maker. Uh, not Thon Maker, but his little brother. McCoy. Yeah, McCoy Maker. McCoy, his cousin. His cousin. Oh, I thought they were brothers. I'm sorry, his cousin. So, yeah. His cousin uh, choosing Howard. As a and he's a five star recruit, by the way. So, do you guys remember his statements, or do you want me to go ahead and paraphrase? For I you? haven't heard them, so yeah, I don't know verbatim. I know the gist of it, but okay. go ahead and uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and paraphrase it. So basically, you know, Dwayne Wade, you know, spoke on his decision. Now, when Dwayne Wade spoke on his decision, he he kind of you know he was like, hey, you know, I respect the decision itself, right, to be black and to choose a black college or university or institution to go play ball at. But he was saying that HBCUs are in the dirt. They're at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to athletics and sports. Now, I don't disagree with the statement because it's true. 
Now, beyond that, he goes from that to saying that, you know, he's not going to get the exposure that he wants basically to move on to the next level playing, you know, at the NBA or whatever, saying that, you know, he's going to play in a small gym, a 2,000-seat gym, or not going to have the big TV contracts, or not going to play the big names and do all that different stuff. So it's almost like he praises him and knocks him simultaneously a bit, but at the end of the day saying that, you know, more power to him. But I will say that Thon's response, or Maker's response was, 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 I thought, fitting. You know, he responded with the, you know, a 2,000-seat gym is the same size as you get in Austria, right? Or or parts of Germany or parts of of, of Spain where, where a guy may get recruited. Or the same thing that you look at a high school where it's less, a less amount of seats, right? And, you know, what that brought me back to is just thinking that when, you come, when it comes to professional basketball, they don't care where you come from as long as you're going to be able to get on the court and get the job done. Because at that time, their jobs are on the line. It's about money. It's, it's bigger than just that NCAA uh, to, to, to the NBA. But I thought Thon's uh, response, and he ended with, like, you know, send Zaire to an HBCU. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's something that Wes talked about that we're going to get into a little later. Um, I think me and Wes, when we segued off, 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 off this, we talked a little bit about um, about getting, getting kids like Zaire to um, HBCUs kind of can change the culture. But uh, let me go ahead and let uh, Broom jump into to, to that topic a bit, talking about today's uh, view of it. And uh, Dwayne Wade, what do you think? Um, I can't say I disagree with the comment. Uh, I don't disagree with the tone. It sounds like he had, mm-hmm. right, where it's like, well, good for him, but he hurt himself, right? It was pretty much like he shot himself in the foot, which um, kind of alludes to some of the conversations we've had where we, where we talk about, yeah, there's going to be a sacrifice on the first couple classes of guys that go there mm-hmm. right but if it becomes the trend which it looks like it can where our top recruits are choosing our historically black schools um that 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 switches immediately right it, it's not about to me it's not about the the school you go to it's about the talent that school has mm-hmm. right so um i don't like the comment especially coming from a guy you know d-wade um who had his own issues in, in school and things like that which you know they helped him but he was he was good like if he wasn't as good as he was Mm-mm. he wouldn't have been able to stay at marquette you know what i mean like being able to miss what do you miss like half his career he played played one year pretty much um but he was there for three years so it's those kind of things uh where you kind of look at a guy and you say you know if you weren't that talented you know that that wouldn't happen for you yeah. right um Zaire can't can't be ineligible, and then get hurt, and they're gonna keep him. Like he's 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 gonna lose whatever scholarship he had or whatever. He's not as good, right? Mm-hmm. So, I just feel like that that goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. It's just the narrative about our schools changed from from a viable place for us, a safe place for us, and a, and a great place for us um, to a lesser version because of. What was what was supposed to be happening with the Kareem's and all those guys who went to bigger schools was 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 just to expose that we are good, we are as good or better in in this area, right? And um, I think the narrative ended up changing to you know our schools are lesser than, and that's why your 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 better players are coming to us, and that that has of course been perpetuated throughout the years, and now you know we don't even look at our own schools, 
and we forget forget why they exist. So to the point now in 2020, just to bring that back around, is that people are saying like, you know, there's there's black schools. There are no like, there are no designated white schools. Not even paying attention to the history that the reason that these historically black schools they're not black schools. They're, they're historically, historically black, black schools, right? And that's that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't exclude anybody. There's never been an, an 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 exclusion on a race or anything like that at HBCU. It's just saying we we put that in the title because we were actually excluded from predominantly white schools, from the Alabamas, from the from the places that we thrive in Kentucky. now, right? Alabama, I want to say Duke, that out loud, Kentucky. Georgia, Kentucky, Kansas, right? We were not allowed to go there, mm-hmm. right? There, there is a, a case I just found out recently about a guy who applied to Harvard and and, and was taken to trial. Like he was arrested and, and thought he was crazy. Like there's a black guy applied. <laughs> yeah. Just apply. Too, yeah. He didn't even get in. He just applied. I mean, he did get in or whatever. But I'm saying just just the application by a black person, they, they assumed he was insane. So those things are reasons that HBCUs exist. And I think that um, it's not short sighted by D. Wade. I just think it's experience based. Right. Yeah. He came from a major city um, that doesn't really have a lot of, of black HBCUs around him. He's in the mm-hmm. Midwest. And then he Chicago. went to a big school. You know, yeah. so it, I think that just. It put him in a, in a space where he was thinking about exposure as he knows it and then the route as he knows more than anything. All right, Wes, go ahead and chime in for me. I think you hit the uh, the nail on the head just as far as, like, his tone. His tone was just completely off, I think. Not saying that, you know, everything he was saying is inaccurate, mm-hmm. but the way he, you know, verbalized it definitely was out of touch. I think on um, just numerous levels. One, it's, it's very insensitive. You know, to call the historically black colleges dirt, you know, when, like you said, at a time, that was the only option that we have. Um, it's kind of like, you know, excuse my French. Well, this is man. Come on. It's like shitting on somebody's home, man. Yeah. Like shitting on where somebody come from. Like this is, you know, at, at a certain point in this country, like, like I said, this is all we had. So you can't like go back and just straight shit on it like this, you know, especially for public consumption. When you have the platform and people look at you like this, and so now the perception for everybody that looks up to D Wade is to think that HBCUs are shit or, you know, dirt, whether you're looking at it from a basketball standpoint, you know, educational standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then for two, it's insensitive to a young man who's making a very adult, grown up decision beyond basketball. Like, especially for it to be another brother, like that looks like, you, you know, he's trying to do something. It's like essentially. You know, you see NBA players go back to, you know, impoverished areas, you know, to yeah, help them out, yeah. to uplift them. And, you know, McCoy Maker, he's on the other side of it, trying to lift, you know, the culture up with him instead of doing it on the back end. Like, no, nobody's telling Bradley Bill when he's helping out Ron Brown High School, like, hey, man, that school is dirt. Like, what you doing going back over there? Like, yeah. you know, McCoy's trying to do it on, on the front end. It should be nothing but love and support. Um, and then also, too, like, I think he's, he's very inaccurate from numerous standpoints as far as the exposure goes. We live in a social media driven era, era now. Like, a couple YouTube highlights, you know, there's right. going to be endless yeah. influences, influencers, videographers. You look at Josh Christopher's visit out to, to Howard. Howard. You know, that Didn't did that get so like much exposure-wise. Like yeah, that did so much exposure-wise yeah. just for the school, just for HBCUs in general. Um, and just to, hold on, speaking on, on that, too, like the perception of what these kids carry, there's a young man named Dior, Dior Johnson that committed to Syracuse recently. He's a rising junior. Yeah. There was a video last summer, the summer before, when he was playing pickup, I think in Jersey. And, uh, you know, he's talking his trash and everything. And um, 
you know, Dior said something like, man, you some shit, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you, ain't, you ain't got, that's why you ain't got no offers. He was like, that other dude said, man, I'm going to Howard. And Dior looked at him like, Howard? Like it was beneath him or beneath, you know, mm -hmm. like it's an insult. As if that's not a scholarship. That, as if, you know, you don't have a full ride. You're going to play Division One. Then as far as playing competition, this is where I say D-Wade is completely off. You're going to play. Like, those, like, teams aren't, like, they might duck Howard now because, you know, let's say hypothetically oh. a Louisville doesn't want to have a, the opportunity to lose to a Howard because there are teams that run from that. Mm -hmm. But there's also what's called money games. So the Kentuckys, the Louisvilles, the Big East schools, Big Ten schools, they get these quote-unquote guaranteed games. So no matter where you go, you're going to get that opportunity to go against the top competition Mm -hmm. or what have you, you know, to get that matchup. And again, as far as exposure goes, you look at somebody like John Morant, nobody, you know, when he played against the Marquettes or the Alabamas or whatever, if you a pro, you're going to be basking those times to shine. So no matter where you go, you're going to have that. And then lastly, as far as the, you know, arenas go or what he was talking about playing in small gyms, um, like we talked about before, not all of these college arenas are – as large as, as the TV scale will make it seem. You know, you look at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Before Louisville moved into their new, their new gym, Freedom Hall was not huge. Um, I think UCLA has some good size now. I mean, they've gotten all these renovations and stuff now, but, you know, a lot of the HBCUs, fam, you got a new gym. Coppin State got a new gym. I'm sure there's numerous other ones that have gotten new facilities added on to it. And to go with that, the environment, that you play in at an HBCU game. Those games are live. Too it's crazy. Insane, so bro. to say, you know, to just try to just try to like diminish and just talk trash about the environment that you're going to be playing on is just completely inaccurate. So, you know, he wasn't wrong as far as, you know, some aspects of the conversation, mm -hmm. but the way he went about it and the tone, I think it was just completely, completely wrong, completely off. Man, I think y'all both hit a lot of stuff on the head. Um, I, I've been to both games, right? I've been to HBCU games, and I've been to 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 big time games. I mean, I frequent you know a lot of the tournament games for the SEC when me and Brandon were in college. Um, but I think about just think about the games being live. Me and Brandon both went to to to, to Oakwood University in Huntsville, Alabama. You know, when we got there, it was still Oakwood College, but it was Oakwood University. It's a historically black college. It's super small. But on a Saturday night in Huntsville, Alabama, and there's a basketball game, the gym is rocking. I'm talking about packed to the rafters. You got the fire department outside talking about you can't let nobody else in the gym. I mean, the fans is rocking. It's loud. The momentum. I mean, it's intoxicating, yo. It's it's. You whatever you feel playing in front of twelve thousand fans is what you feel in that type of gym, playing in front of a thousand. You see what I'm saying? It's 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 the same concept, and not just by that. I think I think what's really remiss for uh, D Wade, he's a person that has no idea about the culture of HB, of HBCUs, as uh, Broom has kind of spoke to in the sense of saying, you know, that the exposure wouldn't be there that this wouldn't be there. And I liked how Wes kind of brought that in together, talking about money games. Like, yo, that's a big that's a big thing for smaller schools, right? So, you know, smaller schools get money. I'm pretty sure you guys might have some broom because you coach at a smaller school. 
where guys mm-hmm. or other schools will pay six figures to have you come out there to, you know, to play against them, which is, you know, a big help for, um, you know, an athletic department um, coming from a small school. But if if he went and Josh Christopher both decided to go at the same time, would no school in D.C. want to play Howard? I put that on. I put that on anything because you bring two dynamic talents with the talent that's already there. They're the same as Georgetown. They're the same or better than Maryland. Like, you see what I'm saying? It's the same thing that brings it to the table. It's just that the only difference of what you see at HBCU is that you have somebody that either had the hype like Wes spoke to based on um, uh, social media and things of that sort or could have been a late bloomer, and this was the offer that they had on the table. So it's it's very interesting to see, you know, some perspectives of, of, of that sort. And I liked how Wes also brought in, you know, Cameron Indoor isn't really that large at all. It's a very small stadium by 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 you, the way the TV cameras work, man. They can make it. Man, angles are crazy. The angles is crazy. Zoom in, zoom the, out. The fans is rocking. <laughs> oh, bro, you got Barack Obama showing up. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah Duke looks crazy, but like, I Obama mean, Obama showed us to some games at Howard too. <laughs> oh, not. Nah, but that's the key, though. They're not going to show that online. But I, I yeah. think, I think, I think what Russ said, um, talking about social media. Oh, Maker's going to have the most exposure when Howard season starts. It's going to be outrageous because, especially due to the climate where we are today, with Black Lives Matters, with 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 our culture, as I've said before, being far enough removed from the civil rights era, where we are not the exact same people that ran the civil rights era. We're a little bit more rowdy, a little bit more rambunctious. You know, I pray that we aren't as fleet-minded as we have been before where the narrative, you know, seems to die. But as of right now, it seems to continue to push on social media because clearly, you know, um, the mainstream media has stopped talking about protests. But protests are still going on every single day. But the main media is no, it's is done with it. But social media is our presence to push that point forward. And uh, I think that Wes talked about the insensitivity, insens- insensitivity to, to, to Maker for making that decision, which is, you know, is bigger than him. I mean, I think I want to segue real quick um, and talk a little bit about myself. Um, I don't know if, Wes, have you ever been through this as a trainer um, where I've had guys ask me questions about making college decisions, right? I mean, as you guys both know, I've had two of the top players in Georgia in the last two years, and neither of them chose HBCUs. And I didn't recommend HBCU to either of them either, right? Now, I don't think that either of them went to particularly large schools, but definitely larger conferences, larger schools than what HBCU would have been. Like uh, I told you guys before off air, one of the guys got a uh, offer from Alcorn State like his freshman year. And I told him toss that to the side. Like we not even looking at that. And, you know, as, as, as a person right now thinking about that, you know, I was thinking about his future, right? I was thinking, what's the competition you're going to play? So, I mean, I, I don't think, as Wes said, that D. Wade's comments were, were off. I just think that he could have said it a little bit more politically correct, if that made sense. And not even, I wouldn't even say politically Politically correct correct completely, because, you know, some people really hang their hat on, you know, keeping it real, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. But I think it's ignorance, you know, ignorance gets a lot of limelight nowadays. And, you know, his comments, definitely a frontline kind of comments when you're just that boisterous and trying to get it out there like that instead of articulating it in a more well-educated and concise manner. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It don't have to be, like, politically correct, but, like, you know, 
be like a little more accurate with the whole scope of things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the truth is, truth is, Dwayne may not know. That's, yeah. I think that I, I think, think that goes is, a lot yeah. further than most people think. Just because you became a pro doesn't mean you understand the business of basketball, right? He understands the NBA business. Yeah, he, he don't understand college. He don't understand college. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's no guarantee he understands. But looking at how he moved his son through high school, right? He doesn't understand the business of recruiting. He doesn't understand the business of development and all those things, right? Because, I mean, I was in Florida. I watched the Florida saga of Zaire, right? Yeah. It's, you can tell he doesn't truly, fully understand how you develop a player, get them on the radar, and then go from there. So I think that was a lot of it that he probably just doesn't know. And that's okay. You know what I mean? So he's only, like I said, I think he's only just speaking from his, his experience and thinking to himself, the perspective right now is, ain't nobody looking at a, at a TSU versus PV Prairie View game mm-hmm. for for NBA prospect. That's yeah. the perspective. Not saying that they aren't there, right? I will say, with, 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 with you saying that right there, Broom, I think that people... People, people don't give the athletes enough power to understand that if you look at the ESPN top 60 f- seniors and 12 of those top 60 seniors decide to go to an HBCU, yeah. everybody's looking at those games. I, oh, I, yeah. I, think, I think that's where the difference comes in. Like, don't get me wrong. And I, and I will say the truth is that the cream of the crop of players do go two power five conferences i mean that's just the truth so that's why this was such a big fuss of maker a five-star recruit heading to howard you know when you've seen guys flirt with the idea like josh did come out it's a big thing on youtube yo you know i thought howard deserved to visit right but then choosing arizona state now i'm not knocking josh christopher i want to make sure that that's 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 clear you know you always make the best decision based on you and your life and if that's the best decision that he felt needed to be made, then great, you know. Um, so, with 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 that being said, you know, it's 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 interesting. Um, take 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 the. Uh, I think there was a lot of backlash um, when NCCU or North Carolina uh, Central offered Bronny James. Y'all remember that? Yeah, like when he was like ten. Nah, he <laughs> offered like he offered Bronny James last summer. Okay. Yeah, he offered Brian James last summer, um, you know, a full ride to North Carolina Central University. There was a lot of buzz around him. He was on YouTube every other day during the AAU season. Like, you could not get away from Bronny James at that time. Now, you know, he, he took he, he took a stab at it, you know. What do you think about that, though, Wes, of that move that he made? Now are you talking about as far as the the coach's the move coach, offering, the coach, the coach's move offering, because you know the coach took a lot of flack. Like people were like, "Yo, like, like, like the the same the same sentiment that you used uh, for the guy that um, applied to Harvard, bro." Like it mm-hmm. was like they was like oh, it's yeah. an like insult. Yeah, like, it was like crazy. the audacity for you to have to offer Bronny James, you know, to come to a North Carolina Central University, dude. It's in the same state. That most basketballs played in it's it's right around Chapel Hill, it's it's right around Duke is in Durham. It's it's a basketball yeah. city, and people don't even realize that every summer, every North Carolina player and every Duke player right. plays in that gym for that North Carolina pro am. Yeah, and the only and dudes cooking people it. People don't know is too a lot of players from Duke will go out to North Carolina Central <laughs> on the weekend. Dope. <laughs> 
She get that run. She get their social life on. She oh, get that oh, yeah. run. That's oh. what I'm saying. Stop oh, West, West. I know what you're about so, to go to. I'm going to segue that in a second, though. I'm going to segue that in a second. Well, what I was going to say, what I was going to say for you, for your sake, I think, um, gosh, I can't remember the coach's name from North Carolina Central. Lavelle uh, Morton, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember his? Nah, I can look it up real quick, though. See that aspect, yeah. Um, but, no, so North Carolina Central came into the MEAC or came back to the MEAC. Um, you know, during my later years at Hampton, mm-hmm. and that coach, he's had a lot of success. Like, yeah. it's from day one. Like, you know, winning the league, making the NCAA tournament. So I think, you know, also too, he's he's also denied going to uh, PWI schools. Like, he's been offered job opportunities to leave, and he's stuck with you know Central because I think he knows the value that he brings to it. Mm-hmm. And again, kind of relating it back to McCoy Maker, like. When you realize the value that you have being actually in this place that's perceived as dirt compared to others, you know that you can bring it up. So, you know, he's had a lot of coaching success and he's young. He's been in the rooms with the Coach K's, with the Roy Williams, Mm -hmm. with everybody else. And I think he realizes that, you know, it's a lot more valuable for probably his own personal, um, you know, endeavors and what he wants to accomplish in life beyond the professionalism to build up an HBCU, one that he that gave him an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So now he wants to be the one to give the opportunity to another up and coming athlete that can be a transformative kind of persona for the HBCU. So, you know, some people might look at it as, you know, you're crazy for offering LeBron or Bronny James the scholarship. You're never going to have a chance. But realistically he's giving Bronny Ch- Bronny James the biggest opportunity of anybody because you know if he goes to Kentucky or North Carolina or Ohio State or whatever he's just another top recruit that's doing that but what he's offering to Bronny is a chance to really change the narrative kind of like his dad has done on the NBA just as far as being more than just an athlete yeah being so, very vocal with that yeah, so it's not even it's not one of them kind of you're crazy to do this, but like he's giving him he's giving Bronny a, a bigger opportunity than any other school really can. Hey, Very true. I bang with your outlook on that one, dog. Like in the sense of saying that the opportunity is much larger on a scale bigger than basketball. And you yeah. know, for his father to look at that, I mean, and say that that's very true. You bring you bring exposure, you bring Nike. You bring, you know, you bring, and them dudes can hoop, man. I'm not gonna, like, nah, that, nah, they can hoop. They can, can hoop too. Like, like I said, they always at the top at the MEAC, yeah, year in and year, year out. out. You know, you're gonna play these other schools. You know, they get some transfers from some of the bigger schools. Mm-hmm. Again, you playing in Durham, you're gonna play against in the pro am, open yep. gyms at these other schools if you need it. You know, you're gonna get that there. Yeah, that's real. That's real. Um. I want to segue uh, what Wes is about to jump into. Let's talk a little bit about the culture at HBCU that I know for a fact from guys that I've talked to that I know personally that's played major college basketball at Power 5 conferences that did not have the same cultural experience that I was able to receive or that Wes was able to receive or that Brandon was able to receive by going to an HBCU. Let's let's kind of let's kind of really dive into that. Um, I kind of wish we had one of the other people that was going to have on here for this topic, because he could have kind of spoke a little bit better to it. But you know, hopefully we'll get him on later. But I mean, honestly, I would say Wes, go ahead and talk about the experience outside of basketball you had at Hampton. 
Well, first, I'll preface it by saying, as you know, I didn't start at Hampton. Start I started at, at um, a PWI Division II school up in New York. Um, and it was definitely a, a big culture shift uh, coming down to Hampton, you know, seeing everybody around that looks like me. Um, I can say one thing was a big difference was uh, I went, I was there at, you know, my first school in the fall of 2008. Everybody knows what happened in the fall of 2008. Barack Obama got elected. Ooh. I remember me, my teammates, we were very happy because, you know, majority of my teammates looked like me. Yeah. I went around the dorm room or around the dorm building. There's people crying, thinking that this country is about to get burnt <laughs> up, like, you know, devastated. Yeah. You know, when, um, when I got down to Hampton and I heard the reflections of it, complete opposite. You know, and I'm just thinking... Like, man, I, want, I wish, like, I wonder what it would have been like to be here, you know, on that night. You know, I heard stories about it, saw pictures, saw videos. And I think, you know, to be amongst your own during occasions like that, yeah. you know, especially, like, to celebrate, like, like there's no, it's unapologetically happy, you know. Mm -hmm. And again, like, on a day-to-day -day basis, um, when we made the tournament to play against Duke, you know, the way we celebrate, like, it's kind of like, big family reunion kind of thing when it comes to alum, when it comes to the people on campus, things of that nature. Obviously, I mean, if you want to talk about the social life, like, you know, it's, it's nothing compares to it. Like, we would have, you know, I got friends that made it, you know, high major or what have you. You know, we all have friends that made it high major and would take a visit to homecoming. Mm. Homecoming at, at these HBCUs. It's different. It looks a little different. <laughs> it's a lot so, different. Hey, the, flavor, the flavor, flavor food, the the you know the flavor Ooh. of the you know the dancing, the music, the women, <laughs> the women, all of that, all like, of it. Ooh. It's different, it's uncomparable. Go ahead, bro. Talk talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about that culture for you too, man. Oh man, the, the culture is irreplaceable. Let's put it like that. Yeah. You know, what I mean, it's it's um almost ineffable you know it's hard to describe um as we were talking like yesterday uh, it's the first time in your life when you go to an hbcu that your skin color is not a problem right and you don't realize it as you're there right unless you came in like west came in you kind of felt the difference immediately but like for for somebody like me um that didn't you know i didn't realize until i left right until you leave and then you're like oh God, I forgot I'm black. Like I, you know, for the last four years, if I, I was there five years, you know, whatever. For these last four or five years, I just been a, I just been a college kid. I've been a college kid. I played ball. We hung out with my friends. We went to parties. Like we're all doing the same thing. We're all just trying to figure out our life, right? You know, as far as our friend groups, we we we're in all different fields. We're in finance. We're in music. We're in law. We're in athletics. We're in education. So for us, it was just, hey man, what are you thinking about doing after after graduation? What are some of your life goals? We're just talking as people, and I think that was the I think that's the one thing that's always glossed over when it comes to going to HBCU. Right, you are just black, right, and it's not it's not a thing there. Like you're just a person, and and you're from this area, right? That's it. Like the only difference that you really have to work through is the difference in regions, right? We took it took us a while to get used to Maryland slang. It took us a while to get used to. Philly slang. It's like, you know, like, first time I heard you say Sison, I was like, what the hell is Sison? What is that? 
right? You know what I mean? Or like you lunching, or like you know from Philly, like or you drawing, like so, like getting into those different cultures. But that's the thing too; it's a melting pot of black culture. Yeah. Right? You don't get exposed to other black cultures depending on where you're from, right? If you're a West Coast dude, you don't know anything about Maryland unless your family's from Maryland, right? Unless your family's from the South. So unless you move down there, you don't really get that culture. So I think that's what the beauty of HBCU is just that. Like, you don't have to worry about your skin. Your skin is not the reason you fell in the class. But the skin is not the reason your teacher's upset, yeah. right? None of those things are a factor. It's like you can actually look at yourself and and find out where your flaws are as a as a natural person. Like if I'm if I'm doing I'm not doing well in my class, is it because I'm not going to bed at night? I'm staying up all night playing games. Ooh, freshman right? year, you know, what I'm saying freshman year, right? Oh. Am I not just going? To, am I staying up all night? And then I'm not going to class. Like, is my teacher <laughs> mad at me because I'm late every day? Like, you know, what I'm saying the reasons are actual yeah. reasons. You're late every day. You're not turning in your work, or this is this isn't quality work, yeah. right? It has nothing to do with. You know this black kid thinking he can he can he can slide by, or you know some of the other things you may face when you're in high school, for instance, at at a at a predominantly white high school where you're getting different comments like, "Oh, you're a good kid," like and not and not like, "Hey, you're a good kid," like you know it's different like when you get pulled aside out of your friend group like, "Hey, man, you're a good kid." You know you should watch who you hang out with like, <laughs> what? You know what I mean? Like knowing that your friends they they are they're, they're probably more rambunctious than you in class. But they're they're still getting straight A's. They they have college plans. They they like these aren't some hoodlum dudes that I'm hanging out with. Like my parents have taught me to 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 choose my friends wisely, right? So these guys I'm hanging out with aren't some losers that are going to be tearing down something later on. So the the stigma is gone. And then I think that's the best part about HBCUs. You you get great friends. You get you know things you can get at other colleges, but they you you have a black network. Like I I mean. We went to Oakwood University and you went to Hampton and I'm pretty sure there's many times where you get on Facebook or Twitter and you need something and somebody from the school is like, Hey, you remember you remember Jojo, you know, he's a lawyer now. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, you can hit him up and then he can it's it's just a network you can trust. So even if you end up working with like let's say a white person, right? The person you went through was somebody leading you in your best interest, right? Because we went we went to school together. So when you need a, a, a finance a, fi a financial manager, or when you need a, a lawyer to help you with this case, or whatever, whatever, they're guiding you to people that will actually help you. They're not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to, um, you know, price that dollar, like, yeah, yeah, over on you, anything like that. So, I think that's the the experience in that way is is something that I will never ever ever um, forget, and it's the main reason why I constantly bring up HBCUs no matter what. Like even if it's just you know talking to a kid, like oh well, have you thought about the SWAT conference? Well, uh, uh, where is it? You know, just just look at it, man. Like you know, I don't I don't really go into detail. Just always want to put it on their mind because the HBCU experience is something that I believe all black kids should should, should feel. Even if you got to go down to Clark, like we went, we went over to Clark for, for homecoming for one year. Like, let me just go to the homecoming. Just go to just a go place to the where everybody looks like you. The environment is, is mm -hmm. designed for you. And feel what it's like to, um, to I mean, unfortunately, have to have to say it out loud, to feel what it's like to be an American. Right? That's, that's what HBCUs provide. Should just be American. It gives you that view and the white privilege. Yeah, it gives yeah. you that, that window where yeah, I can just walk in. Window. I'm just here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Nobody's yeah. following me through the store. Nobody's, you know, looking at me come some kind of way. I'm just here. And I think that's that's the best part about it. I also think that we were fortunate um, because in our city where we went to school were two HBCUs. Um, 
So, true. I mean, it's a lot of young black people in school in one area. So, I mean, you take us, you take A&M, and then you had, you had UAH around the corner who had some blacks that went to school there, but was more so predominantly white. But at the end of the day, those same people want to hang out with us, want to come over to where we are, want to be at the same party that we're at. Um, and I think, you know, the culture is, is just a lot different. I, I, I tell people... If I didn't go to HBCU, I probably would have never graduated college. Um, there was a lot that I had to work on. And what Brandon said, when teachers look at you, it's not because you're a black kid. I mean, you know, English was just a subject that I struggled with uh, based on writing and uh, and spelling. I mean, I had problems spelling coming into college. Had problems writing coming into college. And you can I, see your text message. You still uh, struggle. Shut up, shut up. <laughs> I'm a grown man with a four-bedroom house now. Holler at me. <laughs> Nah, you successful. <laughs> you successful, but some things never change, bro. I'm no, saying, so, man. So, autocorrect, autocorrect was never your friend. <laughs> <laughs> but what I will say, what I will say is though that um, I mean, I can remember teachers that um, in college that were impactful to help me get get through. I mean, I had one in in, in, in business school, and I also had one in, in the English department. You know, Miss Goodwin, she was real. Like she pulled me aside one day, was like, "Boy, you can't write." <laughs> but hey, she was like but she was like at the end of the day you know i don't leave campus until 7 30 every day come here from six to seven and let's get this work in yeah. and then you think about it you know i was able to pass my exit exam for business school the 96th percentile like i killed that shit like you know what i mean so i think at the end of the day the exit exam is just not for my school the exit exam is for all business schools in the country like, you see what I'm saying? So, right. at the end of the day, I'm at top tier based on that, which also had a writing section. So, I mean, it was it was definitely helping that because if I take my time, my text message can be good. But when I be texting y'all, I'll be like on the move when y'all text me. So, you know, I ain't going to talk about that for real. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, you know, uh, you know. But you know nah, what they call excuses. Really. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you know, I think I think that it's just a lot different when you're at that school, you're at that culture, as Wes alluded to, you get to see people that look like you. I mean, I remember 08 and Obama getting elected. That shit, oh, oh my God, dog. It was like a party. Like, middle of the streets, people riding down, hanging out the car, blasting Jeezy, my label is blue, but my president is black. Like, it was lit. It we was partied crazy. all night. Amazing. We partied all night, literally, until about eight in the morning i think me and ed left the house or left the person's house that we were at at like eight in the morning it was it was it was insane like yeah, i missed out on that yo like i'm talking <laughs> shit was insane bro like cops ain't bother nobody in the street that night it was like every kid in the street's gonna be black ain't nothing you can do about it unless you try to put two schools we ain't got enough room in the jails for this it was it was it was it was it was amazing so yeah, Woo. that's the culture, man. That's the culture. Um, let's go ahead and segue a little bit into what we can do, because I believe that continuing to have this trend go forward is going to be on guys like us. Um, I think, you know, I want, I, I want to, I, I, I guess, I want to, I, I want to. To, to to say this in a way that makes sense. So, Brandon, you're a coach. You coach right. at a predominantly Caucasian school, which is also okay. Now, 
I would think for that when when we talk about HBCUs, I would never want you to under recruit yourself or over, you know, mess yourself up for having players come in. But I also think that we can all be realists, realists and recruit to our levels if that makes sense. Like, you know what I mean? If a guy mm-hmm. is going to be like, I'm getting five or six Division One offers, doesn't matter at that moment. I don't know. But I, I think for you, how do you think in your perspective, because I don't want to speak for you in the position that you're in, that you could possibly do that? Do what exactly? Um, be know. be an advocate for black athletes going to um, black schools or historically black colleges and universities. Um, for me, it, it would have to come in when we, uh, a lot of us coaches do camps in the summer mm-hmm. uh, and, and you kind of, get around these AAU teams and things like that. I think that would be the best opportunity um, for somebody in my position, right? Um, one, you want to recruit for yourself, obviously. Um, but if there is a kid who's above our level or, or the level of, of your school, right, and he has this opportunity, um, you, you you can only tell him, right? You can only explain it to him in that way. Um, and it, and it would have to happen at that level, at the camps, at the, um, you know, the, the middle school camps, the high school camps, those 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 are the most impressionable years when you kind of fall in love with a place, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think or the idea of a place. And I think that would be the best area um, unless somebody asks me directly. Right. You know, so like yeah. if, for instance, if there was a if there was a player at my school that was playing well, like, you know, I, I'm in AI school. Right. And um, I love our competition level and things like that. But if I had a player who was excelling and I realized this level of competition wouldn't serve him well anymore. Let's say we're going into his junior year, and I would suggest, hey, like, like look into the SWAC or, or you know the MEAC or, or something like that, where we have our teams because they're Division One teams, right? And now you get a better you get a better exposure at that level, right? No matter as we already talked about, yeah, you may not get the TV at this time, but you're still getting a better exposure at Division One basketball. So for me. That would be my goals, and that's how I, that's kind of how I, I try to run things now. Is is we want to develop players. I mean, unfortunately, and probably dumb to say on tape, but to leave, right? Like you, 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 as an NAIA coach, you want to win at your level. I mean, as a coach, period, you want to win at your level. But I think one of the things that is, is lost on on the, the profession of coaching is that we're here to, to for development, right? We develop players. We we want guys to. Uh, exceed their own expectations, right, and and show that they can do more than what they thought they could do. So if that, to me, like I said, if that always opens up a door for them to uh, to leave and better themselves or put themselves in a better position, then then yeah, I'm going to help you do that. So for me, it's it's that way. At camps, of course, bring them up. Always have those schools on your mind um, and, and and have them as viable options for athletes. And then if you have your own athletes that are showing signs of, of being a better player than you thought, even as, as you as you um, recruited them, you know, let them know that the opportunities are there um, at the Power Five conference and mid majors, and if and of course at HBCUs. So that would be you know hypothetically that would be my way of going about things um, as as I've done in my career already. Um, and when I was in the high school level, as I always brought up HBCUs um, all the time. Uh, that's just that's just how I, I like things, and on top of that, because of Miami, Miami has one in in the city, Florida Memorial, right? Is a is a HBCU. It's in it's in Miami, right? So instead of the guys always thinking about going to the U, 
or going to um, FIU or FAU, like, you know, Flomo's right here. It's right here pretty much in the hood. It's right here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and guys are, and people are looking past it, not looking, trying to go there or like, oh, you, you just went to Flomo. Like, nah, like, you know, there's, there's, there's Flomo. That's just in Miami. Then you got Bethune-Cookman up in Orlando or, or Daytona right. Beach, Daytona you know. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And then you have FAMU, right? Those are the three I can think off the top of my head. But then, you know what I mean? But we had a lot of schools in Florida. But those are the HBCUs I can think of on top of my head. So we'd always bring those up. And one of the coaches I worked under, he went to FAMU as well. So constantly bringing it up, it's a big thing um, down, in, down, in, down in the South. But just just putting it on their mind, like, yo, you can go here and ball out. Like, this is not, this is not some, I couldn't get anywhere, so this is where I landed. And that's that was that was the big thing for me is changing that conversation. It's not about landing at an HBCU. It's about looking at at this place and this opportunity for growth. Um, just like you're looking at, you know, UCF or USF or, or any other schools to um, as an opportunity to grow and get an opportunity to play professional ball, whether in the NBA or overseas. And that I think that is. That's the only way to really go about it, as I as I can see today. Right. Wes, I'm going to ask yours. It's kind of be a little bit different because you're not coaching at the moment, but as a mentor, as a as a trainer, as somebody that I know that our job goes beyond just the point of the guys coming in for that hour or two and working out. I mean, it's it's a 24 hour type of gig. You you build relationships with a lot of the guys that you train. Like you guys will text or you'll talk or you. Yo, Coach West, this just happened, da, da, da. Um, And I know for me, I've always tried to stay biased on, on their decision. I may give you, like, you know, a little bit of this or a little bit of that, but it's always mainly your decision. What do you think about when it comes to making, you know, some some moves for, uh, for, for the culture going forward that we can change the narrative of players wanting to go to the HBCUs? Well, just um, just with all that being said, I mean, I'm not too far removed from the coaching game. Like, I do strength and conditioning training. Um, but, you know, as recently as two years ago, a year and a half ago, you yeah. know, I was coaching AU for the past four or five years. I still have a pretty heavy influence with that program uh, amongst the coaches. A lot of the players that come through that program, I'm in touch with a lot. Um, even with my alma mater, Gonzaga, I'm still, you yeah. know, pretty well involved with the program as well too and as well as a bunch of hoopers in the area and you know in other regions as well too so anyway i just say all that to say um you know i, I think when it comes to you know my role and talking to these kids when they come to me for advice or when i inquire about recruiting when it comes to the hbcus i think you know they should treat it just like how you know we as black people want to be treated in america and that is we want to be just given a fair chance mm-hmm. so you know I think, you know, just kind of metaphorically comparing the two, you know, I, I know there's been plenty of times where, you know, our skin color gets seen and we can tell when our perception of ourselves is thought of a certain way. So when it comes to these basketball players and they look at their colleges, just like I talked about the kid going to Syracuse and he was talking trash in the open gym, he hears Howard and it's like, Howard, you know, this is before he got offers and stuff. He's like a freshman in high school at the time, but the perception is Howard and HBCU. You know, like you talked about for your young boy, Alcorn State. Yeah. You know, um, shooting even more recently. So I actually have a kid who um who was at a Division One school, and he transferred recently um, because he wasn't being valued at the school. You know, he had a couple injuries here and there. Coaching changed since the coach got in there. They made some shifts. 
So he actually texted me and was like, you know, what do you think about me going to HBCU? And this is, that's pretty much exactly what I told him. Look at it for what the school is, what the school offers you, what the team offers you, the kind of environment. Is that what you're looking for in a school, in a basketball program? Who is the coaches that you've been in contact with? What do they see about you? What do they know about your goals and what do you, you know, what you want to do with the game of basketball, what you want to do in life? So throughout that conversation, he told me that the coach they brought in, you know, was a former G League coach, thought very highly of him, you know, knows about him and thinks he can do X, Y, and Z with it. Long story short, he ended up committing to uh, Clark in Atlanta last week, you know, based off what he felt from that connection. Mm-hmm. Um so, like I'm saying, you know, when it comes to getting recruited by HBCU, like, one, the HBCU's got to see the value in the kid and be willing to recruit them. Um, not to kind of get all over the place, but, you know, Hampton didn't really recruit me out of high school. Talking to the assistant coach that eventually brought me in is because, you know, I went to a private school in high school and he thought that I wouldn't want to go to an HBCU. I wouldn't want to go to a Hampton. But, like, you know, the college coaches got to be willing to take that chance. One, to inquire, you know, the kids got to be open to seeing it for what it is. And then you build that connection, build that relationship, you know, take the on-campus visit, you know, the quality of the team. Again, you don't just go to HBCU, like we're saying, like, just it's not because. one of the things. You, yeah, just because. Yeah, just because, you know, it's not it's not about to be a clout-chasing thing. Not even a clout-chasing thing, but, like, it's my duty to go here. It's no, I have a life. I have things I want to accomplish in life. Things I want to accomplish with the game of basketball, I need to be making sure I'm in a great environment to, you know, become successful. Those coaches got to relay that message to the athletes, to the recruits, make them feel welcome and feel like they can provide that, you know, where they are. So that's kind of like my long-winded answer of saying that, you know, give these guys a fair chance just like we as brothers and sisters in this country want to be given a fair chance in society. And jobs and everything else like that. I like that. I think my my mine differs just a smidge. Um, I want our colleges and universities to look at investing in that part of it, right? Um, I think as even even as far as the president's office at our HBCUs, it should become a a beacon to to look at starting athletic programs because athletic programs do so much more than just cater to athletes um i think athletic programs drive universities within itself right you look at 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 take university of alabama for for instance and its football program people don't go to university of alabama because you want to go to business school you go to university of alabama because you want to watch the tide play you want to say that you're part of the tide you see what i'm saying and so when so when we look at that 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 boosts emissions so now you think about it, uh, if, if our presidents, if our boards, if our, if our people that make decisions from the highest level of our schools decides to truly invest, that means better coaches. That means the coaches that need to be there pay, pay our coaches. I think that that's a big point because one of the big things I tell my athletes is you want to go somewhere where you're going to be comfortable with the person that's coaching you with the person that's going to be cultivating your life. As Brandon, as Brandon talked about, our job is to to develop them, right? So that's one really big thing when a lot of guys talk to me because, uh, um, as you guys know, the latest person I had, the last singer I had, uh, you know, was ranked 
top ten uh, offers from all five major conferences um, of the Power Five and chose a mid-major. You know what I mean? But he chose that mid-major based on the coach that was there, not based on the program, not based on anything but that, based on the person that he felt most comfortable with who was going to help develop him and help be, be his beacon forward. I mean, he wasn't on, like, the Josh Christopher levels and all that where you like, oh, you're one and done immediately, if that makes sense, right? So not every big school was like, yo, I know you can come and go to the NBA right from here. Da, 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 da. But this coach said, look, you're the number one guy on my board. I want to help you get to the pros. This is what I'm looking at. This is what we want to do and cultivate it around him, if that made sense. So that's made the decision. But it's the same thing. Like, we, like Wes talked about um, um, Coach Morton at, uh, at North Carolina Central. You know, he's a coach that values himself, you know, maybe didn't take some jobs that were particularly going to pay more for his family and his well-being and hoping in 10 years later our schools are at that level where he can recruit at the level that he's able to recruit at. Because we have great recruiters, we have great coaches that would also help bring players into our organization because, like Wes said, it's not just about making the, the decision to go to that school because it's a, a HBCU, like that that can't be enough if that makes sense, right? It has to be something beyond just that that brings you there. It's it's the culture. It's it's our culture investing in that part of it, which I promise you will will, will seed fruit in everything else, right? Your emissions are gonna come up. Alumni give back more when your sports are when your sports is popping. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much more that gives you know additive to sports based upon what else happens. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that we should do, you know, moving forward. I think something that's funny, I, I thought you were going to mention it in this one, Wes, was your idea that she talked about um, the other day, the NBA player sons. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't know what part of the conversation. We're just going to get to that, though. Oh, shit. Let's go ahead and jump into that, then. But uh, I want to jump in. Just a smidgen yeah. of that. I want, you to, I want you to give your thoughts on that real quick. Well, it was ironic enough that, or coincidentally enough, we were talking about that, I think, like, literally the day before D-Wade made his comments. Mm-hmm. But I was saying that, um, you know, look at, like, Shaquille O'Neal's youngest son, a younger son, Shaquille O'Neal. You look him up, no offers. You look up Zaire Wade, he he's chasing every offer that he can get, you know, going to prep school after he's already been at Sierra Canyon, after he's already played for the Nike EYBL teams. He's gotten all the exposure you can get, like, you know, I think if you if the HBCU coaches were to, you know, offer those guys a scholarship and land one of them, I think that would be great for the culture, for that school and overall because it would show D Wade that like the value that this school has, you know, assuming, you know, they're gonna do right by them, you know, you just you showing them, hey, you're gonna get all the gym access here. Hey, we're gonna get these good workouts in with you. Because a lot of times it's a lot of it's some coaches that are in HBCUs, at least from my experience and from my encounters, that uh, you know, huh? But then there's also a lot of them that are hungry. Yeah. A lot of them that you know know the value that they bring for the culture of their programs. Some of them, you know, want to try to you know get there because they want to build it up, but then they also you know, kind of realize that hey, I'm not valued here as well, and then they end up going to greener, you know, perceived greener pastures or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, you know, if you get if you get like a Shakir O'Neal to go to, what we talk about, like Grambling State. Yeah. You know, they, they mess around, don't have the same amenities as LSU. Uh, like, it's like a great disparity. 
You think Shaq ain't gonna kick back some money? He ain't gonna get all those guys some some game ready, you know, uh, air compression boots. He ain't gonna make sure that they all decked out in the latest gear. Oh, y'all need y'all need new basketballs? How much that cost, man? Five thousand. Quick check. That, that, that ain't nothing. <laughs> that hey, ain't nothing. Quick. You know what I mean? And, and, and they showing up to the games. You know, we talk about the era of social media influence. Like, I don't. I really don't know how good. Or actually, I, I do kind of know how good Zaire Wade is. I don't really know how good Shakir O'Neal really is. But you look at him hooping out there in them Cali open gyms, and he's doing some stuff that shows that he has the tools to, you know, play on the next level. And if he's not offered by any of these other schools, you know, it's kind of like we talked about the environment at, at the HBCU. It's like, all right, come on, man. We'll take care of you. Yeah. You know, fam, we got you. And I think that gets reciprocated from these NBA, the NBA family, you know, next, you know, Shaq might have Kenny Smith and some of the uh, TNT crew, you know, sideline to check out a game. And next, you know, they quick talk about it. Yeah, you man. know, that gets another level of exposure, whether it's on the podcast or ESPN. Next thing you know, ESPN first take it. Hey, uh, Shaq's son scored 27 points in the game. Is he NBA material? Next, you know, just that that exposure, that limelight that's on it or that spotlight that's on it all of a sudden kind of boosts the culture a little bit more just because they had that name affiliation. And again, like these guys, they say they want to prove themselves. You can only eat what's on the menu. Go somewhere where you're going to be able to eat. Yeah, exactly. That's real. I think that's real. Wes, Wes spoke a lot about that platform because it's there. I mean, I, I definitely wanted you to share that, share that, that bit because I thought that was super important. Um, you know, I think this conversation is is still to be continued. You know, as it goes, as as we watch, um, as we watch the narrative flourish, right? Um, I think I think something that that's been out there for a while is our athletes have been flirting with this idea for a minute, right? I think I remember back in 2017, the number one high school football recruit in the country um, before he chose chose um, Oregon decided to take one of his official visits to uh, Mississippi Valley State University, same place that Jerry Rice played, right? And so, you know, he said, you know, I took that that visit there. He was like, yo, I absolutely fell in love with the culture. But I chose Oregon because I thought Oregon was the brighter f- choice for my future, right? And so you, you, you hear that a lot. Like, yo, I love the culture where I was, but this decision is based on what's brightest for me for my for my future right and and you can't knock a kid for deciding his future over sometimes the 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 view of what we consider the culture right so um because everybody got to eat as you guys said like it's, it's 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 really important for that like you know i thought it was big with josh christopher when he took the visit and even bigger when a uh, maker made the decision to actually go because I thought that was interesting that Josh's visit was so publicized, and if and it felt like Maker's decision came out of nowhere, right? Like you turn around mm-hmm. one day, Maker chooses Howard University. What five-star recruit just chose Howard? You know, he chose Howard over making the G League decision jump. He chose Howard over you know Kentucky, um, North Carolina, Syracuse, all the bigger schools that were recruiting him. And it and, and it was kind of one of those things that came out that came out of thin air, you know. I'm very interested in how that recruitment went because it was so quiet. Like that's the way I felt that it was super quiet. Like I don't remember people talking about Howard at the top ten on his board. 
Well, I, I'll say he's just a little more low key of a dude than yeah. uh, Josh Christopher because yeah, he Josh, took the Josh visit. <laughs> I want to say he took it maybe a week before, and you even just look at like you know, how some of these kids carry themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I want to say Josh Christopher might have close to a million followers right now. Oh no, I seen Josh in real he, life. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he basking. He basking. Maker. I look at I looked at you know when he committed he had I think fifty four thousand followers. Mm-hmm. You know you're gonna get that just from the mixtapes and yeah. what have you. By the time by the end of the day after he committed, I believe he had like eighty six. I don't want to be misquoted here. You know mm-hmm. he had, he had well over eighty plus thousand. Mm-hmm. You know just off the strength because like I said he he did it. I think I don't I don't know if Josh maybe did it to see. Or to do a little bit of clout chasing. I'm not sure. Yeah, I you think, know, probably I was think, genuine. I think, I think Josh was genuinely interested in the in, in, in the thought of going to a black school. But like I said, you yeah. got people in your camp that's going to be like, "Yo, you're you're Josh Christopher. Like <laughs> yeah. this 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 is the Miac, bro. Like you got to go to you got Arizona State because I don't even think Arizona State was the biggest school on his list either, right? I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't I think Josh wanted to be the king of his castle. Because that's how Josh plays. I've talked yeah, to and then also about the kind of tie yeah. into it though, like just talking about the kind of demeanor that they both carry. Yeah. You know, again, why you don't probably see McCore is because like Josh carries this kind of social media presence with him, so it brings out all the videographers, everybody who wants to make a mixtape. You know, when McCore is there, he's not going to be as you know, you know, uh, uh, flaunting everything yeah. and talking so much. Like you know, he's there. He's there play ball pretty much as far as we can tell so yeah that's probably why i was probably a little more low-key mm-hmm. than um you know the narrative that josh christopher had with it yeah i don't i don't i don't see the media world working with josh uh, he actually came out to atlanta last year to play mckeecher yeah again sharif boy sharif and then blew them out but like the mixtape made it look like josh yeah. was this yeah <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, truth be told, I, I know some of the people that was at the open gym uh, when Josh was playing at Howard. It made it seem like he was dominating. Nah, he, he did he did his thing, but he it's not it's not like, like that. that. Bro, bro, I think I told you about that game. I was like, bro, like it, the kid's good, but I, when yeah. I watched his mixtape, I thought he was like, I walk in the gym, <laughs> and you can't touch me. So yeah, I mean, it was very, hyper, man. I mean, it's very, it was very interesting. Um, you know, I, I still think he'll, 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 be, he'll definitely be a pro. I mean, athletically, yeah. what, what he offers is he's a freak athletically. Like he gets up, he's a big body. He got by game the way. too. He's a big body, by yeah. the way. Yeah, big body. So, um, you know, it's going to be definitely interesting as as time goes along. Did any of y'all got a couple of sign offs or anything you want to say before we uh we end this part of the uh of 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 this episode? No man, just HBCUs are, are where it's at, man. Um, you know, if you if, if it's something you're thinking about, do it. You know, at least go look, go visit, take take the time to 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 to, um, to give it a good look. Um, it's an experience, and and especially I could say as as a Black American, it's one that you you're rarely going to encounter on your own. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of a kind experience, man. I'm saying on both ends, man. Like. Do your job as a recruit to do the due diligence and, you know, recruit the schools that are recruiting you. And on the other end, too, like the HBCUs, like go out there and recruit the dudes that you think is the best talent, not the ones that, you know, think is the political move mm-hmm. or, you know, because a lot of times, man, these these coaches, they, they recruit like AAU programs, you know what I mean? 
instead of like looking at like all right this dude is killing he may not be on a shoe circuit but he's killing and we could do something Bro, with him i got a guard, you know getting the right guys so like getting like the right that. guys on staff and the right players to make up the right makeup of all the, the just to make the whole situation work like man. and like yeah and i would love to see see us get back on top man hey i've been this way i got if if you if you still got the ear at Hampton West, I got I got a name for y'all. Kid ain't on a shoe circuit, but the point guard I think is the best point guard in his class. He's a twenty. If they're a sophomore, well, what's their class number? Uh, I want to say it's twenty twenty three because twenty twenty one is the seniors, twenty two is the juniors, twenty three is the rising sophomores. A kid a sophomore, bro. Killer. <laughs> Can't nobody say in front of him. He reminds me of like a right-handed Nick Van Exel. It's <laughs> mm. <laughs> praise right there. That is. I'm hands is massive, feet big. Still ain't really grown into his body yet. Handle the ball. It's ridiculous. He's he's a hooper. <laughs> I'll give you his name after the podcast though. But yeah, um, I think I, the last things I want to say is this. Um, as the guy I am, I want all young black athletes to understand this, um, and, I, and I want you to hear it, that I still believe in making the best decision for you. Like, don't listen to this podcast and make a decision based on a cultural decision that's, that you feel will detriment you in the future, if that makes sense. I also want our programs, our, our schools to listen to this too and hear that sports is a viable option to bettering your entire program's persona its view, its outlook, and what you have to offer the world. There is no other experience like the HBCU experience if you're a black person. I'm going to put that out there. But at the end of the day, we, you know, as a black community, need to invest in our programs beyond somebody that may just be a celebrity or big or whatever. But it's our job to invest in ourselves to give back to our schools, to give back to our programs so that we have the ability to offer even if the TV contracts and the white man don't come a-coming. You see what I'm saying? Because I promise you guys, you can play pro basketball, and I won't tell everybody that they can play NBA basketball because it's just not true, but you can play pro basketball coming from from HBCUs. At this very moment, you got guys making a million dollars overseas that have played at HBCUs. I can promise y'all that. So at the end of the day, it's been real. It's been another episode of You Still Ain't Got Our Shit Together. I want to thank Wes Dunning and Brandon Broom for coming through and having this wonderful conversation. And we out. Yes, sir. Thanks for having Thanks, me, bro. Thanks for having me, man. Always, always.